century and he said all of us, preachers, worship leaders included, we're all simply beggars looking for food. Food is the gospel. The food is Christ. And we can play the tunes and we can look different shades and stripes, but that grace covers the entire world. Man, I pray that you know it. I pray that you want it. I pray that, as bad as it sounds, I pray that all of us know like how wretched we are in here, but the grace of God in Jesus Christ saves us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word in music. Thank you for your word um, in fellowship. Thank you for the presence of Christ here. And thank you for your word that we're about to look into, the message that it has for us, that it is not just a guidebook, that it is a life. Uh, pray over these, your people. And I pray that, um, I, don't, I don't just pray that their lives like get better. I pray that their hearts know Jesus. And when that happens, uh, you will take care of the rest. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Um, and by the way, that wasn't the offering song. Sorry. I, uh, kids got me fired up. Uh, but I got to show you, man. I mean, I don't know. It's like, <coughs> excuse me. We, uh, man, just want you to come as you are to this church. Come as you are to the altar. Uh, we don't claim perfection. I certainly don't. I'm this broken beggar. And uh, I think the majority of folks here wouldn't claim that either. So Genesis 4 is what we're going to look into today. Genesis chapter 4. So, uh, if you have your Bible, you can open up there. If you don't, uh, we have some Bibles up on the table. And uh, before I get into that, you know, we're doing this focus on uh, being for the city, doing this focus on how we can live Christ here. But I, I really want to ask a valid question in that, uh, why should we be for this city? Now, you may, I mean, there's, there's Sunday school answers, and we can easily throw those out as in like, you know, Jesus calls us or, you know, local missions. But no, I mean, I mean I'm mean, i not too fired up about Jackson. I mean, I'll, just to be like totally honest here, um, to be for this city, I and mean, whether you call it the metro area or, or Jackson city limits, uh, I, I mean, I see what y'all see, uh, some major division uh, and major problems. And um, I mean, to just be totally like honest, like, um, I, I'd rather be somewhere else, like personally. I mean, I, I think this this sounds, um, I don't know how it sounds, but like I think there are a lot of better cities to live in. But you know what? God has called me here, and I've grown a love for this city, and I see major uh, problems and challenges, but I also know that Jesus uh, can heal and transform, and it starts with his church. But over the next couple of weeks, I want us to look in the Bible. I mean, we can give the Sunday school answers about why we should be for the city, general, vague, you know, local missions. But actually, Scripture, I mean, the Bible, God's Word, calls us uh, to be for a lot of godless, uh, God-forsaken cities. We'll see God's people doing just that. Cities that are, that are much worse uh, than Jackson, God calls his people to go and to bring the light of Christ. So, um, Genesis chapter 4, I'm going to read uh, verses 10 through 26. Bear with me. This is one of those passages uh, that's not preached on a lot. I've actually never preached on this passage. But it is about the first city uh, in all creation. I mean, the first city that the Bible records. So, this is right 
after picking up where Cain had killed his brother Abel. Okay? Verse 10. It says, The Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. Then the Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch. When he built a city, he called the name of the city after the name of his own son, Enoch. To Enoch was born Irad. Irad fathered Mahujahel. Bear with me, I'm trying here. Mahujahel fathered Mahuthashel, and Methushahel fathered Lamech. And Lamech took two wives. The name of the one was Ada, and the name of the other, Zillah. Ada bore Jabal. He was the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of those who play the lyre and the pipe. Zillah also bore Tubal-Cain. He was the forger of all instruments of bronze and iron. The sister of Tubal-Cain was Namah. Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice. You wives of Lamech, listen to what I say. I've killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is seventy-sevenfold. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth. For she said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel, for Cain killed him. To Seth also a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. At that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. Stay in that passage. I got to take a breath. All those uh, uh, hells things, names. You're like, what can, what can we pick up from that passage? It's kind of a random, like I've never preached on it. There's a lot we can pick up from that passage. A couple little caveats real quick. You know, um, a lot of times we think, you know, Cain's sin, Cain's deal was, was killing Abel. That was his downfall. I believe this passage tells us that actually um, that sin was not Cain's downfall. Something else was. I'll get to that in a second. Another thing is, man, how did, you know, Cain just got a wife, you know? I thought there was like Adam, Eve, Cain, Abel, and then Cain takes a wife. Then Cain goes and builds a city. So either, you know, he, one person builds a city or maybe he has some help. Like, how did that city just, just come about? I say that because if I read this for the first time or for many times, I have those questions. And the Bible is, uh, the Bible is very selective in what it wants to show us in what it wants to share with us. It, it spares a lot of details. So this passage spares where Cain's wife came from. It, it spares, you know, how this city was built. It just said Cain built a city, named it after his son. But I also use, if you go to the New Testament, you know, Mark, the Gospels spare details too. The point the Bible wants to make is that what the Bible wants to say to us, that's 
what it wants to say. And we shouldn't question that. We should take Scripture as God's word and trust it. So, that being said, from this passage, I do think we can see Cain's true downfall. I believe we can see the city of death. I believe we can see a future city of grace. First off, Cain's downfall. Again, you think about the story. A lot of y'all know Cain. I mean, growing up in Sunday school and Cain, Abel, Cain killed Abel. You know, that's a bad deal. Um, but more so, you know, Paul, I always like to use him, Paul killed a lot of Christians. Uh, he repented and, and God changed his life. Cain commits a sin. He slew his brother. But an even greater fall for him, he doesn't repent. Look at this passage again. It, it, it's like God, and you know, the Lord is the Lord. God is God. God knows what has happened. And it's like he's trying to give Cain every possible opportunity to say, I'm sorry, forgive me, I repent. And, and he doesn't. I mean, God says, what have you done? And, you know, Cain just says, he doesn't say, I'm sorry. He doesn't say, forgive me. What he says is, verse 13, my punishment is greater than I can bear. He says, behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Whoever finds me will kill me. What Cain is doing is saying, like, woe is me. I'm the victim. He's not saying, I'm sorry. He's not saying, forgive me. He's not repenting. He's saying, man, my, my life is just going to stink from here on out. Woe is me. Victim card. Do y'all know anybody like that? Yeah, yes, ma'am. I hear you. I do. I know lots. Man, one of the key things that I've learned in, in ministry and not simply pastoring this church, but being associated is like repentance is so big and we so don't do it i don't know what it is and i guess it's you know just pride not wanting to say you know i'm wrong not wanting to say i'm sorry not wanting to say i don't know but i'm like i mean i, I beg people just just confess i mean just repent i mean god puts it in scripture for a reason. Acts 2. People say, you know, what must I do to be saved? Repent and believe the gospel. Repent. And, and Cain here, he, you know, he just, yeah, I did it. And now, you know, my life's going to be this way. And you know, woe is me. I don't know where all of y'all are in a place in life. But if, if you're there, I mean, if you're somewhere, hopefully you haven't, you know, killed a brother but, you know, if you're somewhere where you haven't repented, like, you're going to have an opportunity as we come to the Lord's table today, but, like, repent. First to, to God. Say, I'm sorry. And then maybe you need to go to somebody else and say, I'm sorry. And it may not be anything explicit. It may just be something that's in your heart. But th there's a biblical way that God brings healing, and it is repentance. And I don't want us, I don't want myself I mean, I've heard pastors in history and today say, like, repent every day to our Heavenly Father. And if there's someone out there, just go to them. I'm sorry. Forgive me. 
It's, it's the way of Christ. It's what he calls us to. So Cain's real downfall is, you know, God saves, heals, restores in sin, but not when we don't repent. And that's, that's sin. Not repenting is sin. But individual sin of Cain, it starts leading to community sin or sin of the city. The second thing we can see in this passage, we see a city of death. And the city of death is sin. You have some note cards on your bulletin. You may want to take notes or anything. Again, Cain's downfall is that he doesn't repent, is no repentance. The city of death is sin. Verse, uh, I think it's verse 17, it starts out, we see the descendants of Cain and, uh, you know, all those names that we were throwing out. And what's interesting is the descendants of Cain, they show us that they have great creativity. I mean, it, it's something that God has endowed in all of us, starting with Adam and Eve, starting in the garden. Um, now, I'm not a gardener. I see Chuck and y'all major gardeners right here. And uh, they bring me a lot of fruits and vegetables, or Jack, but I get to benefit from Major gardeners, my, my grandparents, major gardeners. And, you know, gardening, you think about the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve. And gardening is creativity. I mean, it, it's... It's, it's cultivating soil, cultivating raw materials, trying to shape it so God can grow something. And a lot of y'all are in the business of gardening, and, and you don't even know it. I, I think of, like, Christina Cannon in the business of gardening with photography and cultivating raw materials. Kellum, our worship team, cultivating music. The doctors that we have, cultivating the raw materials of medicine and science. I mean... All this creativity, it's great. It's, it's God endowed. I mean, God, is, God has given us this. And, and we see it right here. I mean, you can easily miss these verses. And this is why I think it's, it's key. I mean, verse 20 talks about they dwell in tents and have livestock. Livestock, I mean, literally like cows, was the economic currency of that time. So they were beginning to, to trade and do commerce and do business. Then it goes down. The father of all those who play the, the lyre and the pipe, creating music, creating art. I mean, we're seeing this, this birth be, be born, creativity and art. And then the forger of all instruments of bronze and iron in verse 22, manufacturing. So you got economics and commerce, you got art, you got manufacturing, all here, all, all being created. And it's good, it's good stuff. The gardening that y'all do, the creativity, it's good stuff. But again, it's, it's the city of death. Sin has entered into the city and sin only leads to death. What do I mean by that? Verse 19, it says, Lamech took two wives. Two wives. Not, not one. Not Genesis 2, 24. Man and woman shall cleave together and be one. Two wives. One commentary I read on Genesis said, the main point of Genesis is showing us that polygamy and adultery is a freaking, let me say that, disaster. Can I say that again? Polygamy and adultery is a disaster. You see this here as it starts. See it going through Jacob, if you follow in Genesis. Joseph trying to be tricked, sleeping with another woman. Multiple white Noah, you have it all through Genesis, multiple women causes some problems. 
You know what I'm saying? It does. It's a big point of Genesis. And so, two wives, so sin is entering into that, Lamech. Then he even says, verse 24, verse 23 and 24, someone has hurt Lamech, someone has wounded him. And he says, like, vengeance is mine. He says, if Cain's revenge is sevenfold, Lamech's is seventy-sevenfold. He's basically saying, I will not forgive. I will repay. Vengeance will be mine. No forgiveness here. No repentance here. Sin is entering into this, this city, this community. Adultery, polygamy, vengeance, revenge, no forgiveness. So, so the question would be, like, you'd think that God, sin's entered into the world, and so now sinful human beings are together. You'd think that God would, like, say, hey, you know, live out in pastures and fields and, and gardens and just do it there and don't, like, gather together where there are more opportunities for sinful human beings to come into contact. Yeah, I mean, logically, that's what I think. And if you look through the entire Bible... And actually, all of Christian history, it is the exact opposite. God calls his people and his believers into cities. Next week, we're going to talk about Jonah. God calls Jonah to Nineveh, that great city. It was like the greatest city uh, of that time. Two weeks, we're going to look at Jeremiah. He calls his people to stay in Babylon, a wretched city, and work for the peace of that city. Jesus, his ministry culminated in going to Jerusalem. And he was thrown out and killed. And then the church, you know, there was actually a strategy of the early church, Peter, Paul, that they would go into the prominent cities and start a church there. Ephesus, Corinth, Rome. I mean, the big cities of the day. They didn't start churches in the pasture or in the villages, or in the the country. It was only in the cities. And actually, there's a movement like going on today, a lot of churches, a lot of church planning networks, to take the cities of the world for Christ. And I'm talking about like, you know, New York, Johannesburg, New Delhi. I mean, like the major cities, cities that we would think of like sin, cities that are just, you know, have wretchedness in them. And say, we want to win these cities for Christ. Why is that? See, when you win the city, you win the culture. You win the city, you win the culture. Just like here, culture was was gravitating into the city. Art, commerce, produce. And if you win the city for Christ, then it affects everything else. You win New York and L.A. for Christ. I mean, America, you can, you know, you're going to win the country for Christ. I say if you win Jackson for Christ, you win Mississippi for Christ. No, not Oxford. I know some of y'all think everything emanates from the square. I've gotten past that. But really, you win Jackson for Christ. I mean... Argue with, me, argue with me if you think, but I mean, Jackson, you win Jackson for Christ, what happens here emanates across the state. There's a lot of good in cities, a lot of art, a lot of creativity, a lot of challenges in cities. You know, in cities, maybe you don't think here in Jackson, but other great cities, you got a lot more people that are like you. I mean, like, I had a, a doctor friend who told me a story about his daughter who, you know, was rocking out, playing, jamming and all that, and was very successful here uh, in Jackson growing up in youth. 
So she wanted to go to Nashville and, you know, rock out and stuff. She got there and she's like, you know, the playing field is a lot more competitive. And, uh, you know, so there are a lot more people like us. There are also a lot more people that are different from us, like racially, like socioeconomically, that you meet in cities. And they may be our neighbors. They may live right next door. What do we do with that? These are challenges. They're challenges. And then there's sin. I mean, sin is really magnified in cities because we go to cities. Why do you go to cities? Make a name for yourself. I mean, for the most part. Hey, look, I'm a country boy. I mean, like I said, I've got a barn behind my parents' house. We've got real hay there. And, you know, when I go, have gone out to cities and lived in D.C. and Boston, even Jackson. I mean, you go, I mean, really and truly, you know, honestly, we're going to make a name for ourselves. And so people are climbing over one another and trying to climb the totem pole and trying to, you know, be the best and get that job or get that promotion. And, and it can be, it can be just, it can wear people out. I mean, I've seen people worn out in the competition, in the, in the drive. So what do we do as like, as we claim the name of Christ, we claim Christianity, we claim to follow, what do we do in these places of sin, city of death, because sin leads to death. How, how do we live here? How do we be for the city? Talked about this passage shows us Cain, his downfall, don't repent. City of death is sin, but there's a future city of grace. Future city of grace here. This is at the very end, verse 25 and 26. Talks about all of the sin of Cain, and then it says, Adam knew his wife again. She bore a son, called his name Seth. She said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel, for Cain killed him. To Seth also was born a son. He called his name Enosh. At that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. I highlight that because you've seen all this, this sin, polygamy, vengeance. Then we have this other line, this, this new line, Seth. The descendant of Seth was David. The descendant of David was Christ. This is the new line. This is beginning the future city of grace, which culminates in Christ. And there is a massive, major difference because you have people, and I've, I've lived in this place, and I've, I've been here, who seek a name for themselves. And like in verse 26, people who seek the name of the Lord. And I want to ask you honestly, do you seek a name for yourself or do you live your life seeking the name of the Lord and glorifying his name? Just think about it. Just pray about that. The future city of grace, starting with this line, starting with Seth, leading to Christ. See, Jesus said, this is Matthew 5, I mean, the Sermon on the Mount, he said, you are the light of the world. He said, a city set on a hill cannot be moved. You see, Christians, the church, capital C Church, should be an alternate city in every city. The history of, of the world is, is literally a tale of two cities, two cities within every city. There is the city of sin and death, and there's the city of grace that's in Christ. And if we have him in our lives, if we have him in our hearts, as, as a church, as the body of Christ, as the people of Christ, then we should be an alternate city in every city. 
It should be his city. It should be a city set on a hill. It should be the light of the world. Early Christians did this. You're going to hear me talking more about this over the coming weeks. A wonderful example, something that I can't even fathom, is when plagues came into these great cities in the first couple hundred years uh, after the resurrection of Christ. Plagues. And masses of people fled. Christians, churches, stayed in the cities. They stayed. And they helped heal. And some of them died. They healed believers and non-believers. Witnesses for Christ. How, how do you do that? Well, it's kind of like when you're already dead. I mean, really. I mean, radical stuff here. When you're already dead. I mean, you're free. And yes, some of them lived and some of them died. But to be witnesses for Christ, to be a city set on a hill, to be, to be an alternate city. And then, you know, the world, this, this other city, they, they will question us. I mean, they question us now. They question us if we're in formal ministry. They question y'all if y'all confess Christianity. It's like, ah, you know, just doing it social club, just doing it, you know, just to get, I don't know, you know, Mr. or Mrs. Christian Perfect leading Bible study. I mean, you know what, it, people question us. How, how, how are we going to respond? How are we going to be an alternate city? Here's an example in First um, Peter, if you want to turn to it, uh, all the way to the, other op- the opposite end of the Bible, First Peter chapter 2. And I, I love this because Peter's writing to believers in Rome. Rome, I mean the most hedonistic place, uh, the most sinful place where Christians were being persecuted. And look what Peter says to the church, to the people of Jesus, to this alternate city. This is First Peter chapter 2. Look at this. I mean, and you gotta, you got to get the context in your mind where, where people are breathing down their necks, where they're being persecuted. And what does Peter say to them? 1 Peter 2, I'm going to read a couple verses, verse 12. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles, that would be other city, uh, sinners, that would be the city of death, honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. That's what I was talking to the kids about, obedience. He's saying saying be subject to the Roman Empire that wants to kill you. Y'all can help me get that. I mean, it, it, it boggles my mind. Whether it be the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God. And last, honor the emperor, uh, the emperor that wants to impale you and set you on fire. Honor him. Wow. There is a city of death. There are so many of us who live our lives trying to make a name for ourselves. And then there's an alternate city. There's obedience to Christ. They're saying, I'm going to take everything in my life and put it under the obedience of Christ. They say, I'm going to live for the name of Jesus. I'm going to be a citizen of this alternate city here where, where God has placed me. To my neighbors, to my profession to local acts of service, to the gifts of creativity that God has given me, all for the name of the Lord. 
all for Jesus. It's what he calls us to be, and it's radical stuff. And it entails nothing less than the surrender of your life and saying, I'll lose my life to find it. How do we start? How do we do that? It starts by the song that, that Chris sang. Yes, I mean, it's amazing grace, but the grace that, that we all need. That, that sounds like a cliche. Let me put it this way. If you go back to Genesis 4, you don't have to go back, but there was a curse that fell on Cain. I mean, a curse. If we read in Romans, it talks about Adam's curse. The thing is, as good as we all think we are, cookie cutter, nice houses, we all deserve a curse. I mean, all, I'm, I'm no different. Formal ministry, pastor, all that. We all deserve a curse. Jesus Christ took that curse and is giving all of us a blessing. And when we really know that, I mean, I'm saying when we really know that, and a lot of y'all think you do, and we don't, when we really know that, then we're like, man, I can love this city. I can be an alternate city. I can be a citizen here. I can love a neighbor who's very different than me. I don't have to climb over other people to try to get on top. I don't, I don't have to live just for, for my name to be glorified. I can live for the name of Christ because I deserve a curse and he's taken it and he gives us a blessing and it's free, it's grace and there's nothing we can do to earn it. And it's just accept it and believe it. If you know that, we can start. But there's something else, and I don't want to miss this, because you're about to have an opportunity. We've got to repent. I mean, we got whether you want to call it fall on your face, on your knees, or just a simple prayer. You got to repent and say, "God, forgive me. Forgive me my heart. Say it every day. Forgive me the wretchedness that's in my heart. Forgive me what I've done to to so and so. If God's leading you to somebody else to repent, please do it." Please listen to God. We deserve Cain's curse. We have Jesus' blessing. Accept that, believe it, and repent. And you'll find peace. And you can say, man, I can be part of this city on a hill that Jesus calls us to in Matthew 5. I can be his people. I can live for him in his name. His blessing. Repent. Obey and find freedom. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I repent. I pray these your people repent. We may think we are picture perfect. We're we're not. We're we're simply broken vessels. But you, you love us so much. You have chosen us. You have given us your grace. We we have freedom. We have, we have a name for eternity as, as your children. And, and all of this stuff that, that we seek out for, for validation or for money or for status or for relationships, dear, I pray that we'd be centered in a relationship with you and say we can, we can live as an alternate city, as citizens for Christ here. pray this church would say that. But dear Lord, it has to start with saying that, man, we deserve a curse, but have gotten a blessing, and we will repent. We will fall on our knees 
face down and seek your forgiveness and we will receive your grace. Pray that for all of us. Pray it today. I pray that we can be a city on a hill as a church. I pray that we could partner with other churches. I pray that out of your church, the big church, the capital C church, we could transform this city because there, there's a city of death in every city, but there's a, a stronger force. It's a city of grace, and you call us to transform your city. So I pray that we would walk with courage. I pray that we would walk with action, and that's in relationships, that's with neighbors, that's in service, to be your city. In Jesus' name, amen.